I want to ask you a question as we get started. Have you ever been in an airport and almost missed your flight? Of course you have, right? I mean, I think that would be universal if you've flown just a little bit. You've probably been on a plane and you've probably been delayed and you had a connection and you were trying to get from one place to the next. Recently, Brian, Jerry, and myself were on our way to Arkansas. We had an opportunity to sit down with a church that is very similarly aligned with us in terms of a team approach to ministry. We were leaving from Raleigh and we were going to Arkansas, but we had to go to Atlanta to get a connection to go to Arkansas. On our way into Atlanta, there was a massive storm. To be honest with you, I got a little clammy. I don't fly very much, and the turbulence were bouncing around a little bit. A lady over my left shoulder, right shoulder, was saying, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. And um, we finally, we made a nice little bumpy landing into Atlanta. Well, we landed at 7.15, and our plane in Atlanta to Arkansas was leaving at 7.31. So here's what took place. Brian was near the front of the airplane. Jerry and I were towards the back of the airplane, which took a long time for us to get off. So about the time we were getting off of the plane, we didn't see Brian. Jerry and I came out. Jerry was behind me. I looked up at the screen to try to find what gate we were at, praying that we would not have to get on a shuttle, but that we would just sort of O.J. Simpson it through the airport, like running through the airport and stuff. That, I need to clarify that. Okay. And, um, and <laughs> so we <laughs> got out <laughs> and we're looking at the screen and I'm going, okay, it's just down the way. I don't have to take a shuttle or anything like that. Jerry comes around and says, Matt, did you see where we are? I said, yeah, man, it's gate D28. We're at D22. He said, let's go. About that time, we got our, our carry-on luggage, we got our computer bags, and Jerry and I are sprinting for our life to get onto the plane. We come around the plane, I mean, have you ever run with suitcases before? That's not an easy thing to do. And so we got to the airplane, and Brian was standing there leaning up against the wall. <laughs> and really what he was doing was telling the guy not to shut the door, but I've got two friends, they're coming, no man left behind. And so we finally were sitting there with relief, just like Jerry and I are sitting there like this, just breathing like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. Um, I think the thought went through both of our minds that we are really out of shape right now <laughs> because we had to run and navigate through people and dodge people. We had an extra suitcase. We had a, a bag on our back and I realized that the race that we were running was incredibly difficult because of the extra weight that was slowing us down. And this morning, what I want us to do as we come to the table is I want us to think about what is holding us back in the race of faith that God has laid before us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to camp out this morning. But the one thing that I realized is this, it is difficult to run when you are hindered in trying to get to your destination. It's difficult. A lot of times in this race of faith that we have, we bring things we really don't need. 
It might be the mental baggage of things in the past that we can't get over that's hindering the race that we're trying to run. It might be over that, hey, why is everybody running faster than me? And that hinders us in running our race. And so we get distracted in this race of faith because of some of the things that we bring along with us that we shouldn't. And what I thought that we would do before we come to the table is really, really evaluate how we are running. And most importantly, what are we running to? And do we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? And so we're going to jump in and take a look at that. I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, could it be that we're not really serious about the race? And when I'm talking about a race, I'm talking about a race of faith, finishing strong, standing before Jesus one day and hearing, well done, good and faithful service. I mean, are we really serious right now? Are we really serious about this race of faith? And are we giving it everything we got to bring glory and fame to God himself? And I think we've got to ask that question. And if we answer, answer the question, go, no, not really. Then we have to ask the question, then what is it that's holding me back? What is it that is preventing me from finishing and finishing strong? And I'm hoping that this morning before we come to the table that we'll be able to um, answer those questions and that you'll take another step closer in your relationship with Jesus, that you'll be closer to him after being in here today that you'll be closer by being remembering what the table really represents, that you'll be reminded of the beautiful, beautiful gospel in Jesus who made it possible for us to know him. You see, the endurance, the, 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 this is not a sprint. This race of faith, it's not a sprint. It, it's a marathon. I think you've heard me tell the story before, my first 5K where I started running and I got right up there in front of everybody and I started running and all of a sudden I heard click, 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 click. And I look over because I'm 150 yards from the finish line and I'm about to die because I started too fast. And I looked over at the clicking and it was a man pushing a baby going past me. The stroller went past me. Here's your humility for you, Matt. And so here's what happens sometimes. We start out and we're like, let's go, let's go. But we have to understand this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. The terrain in the life of faith is difficult, is grueling. And we must never forget that it's not just a Sunday jog and a 72-degree day. That it is a marathon. It's long distance. And there are things that we put into our lives that help us keep our eyes fixed on King Jesus. And every time we come to the table, it says, you grew up in church, it says, do this in, say it, remembrance of me. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to just focus on this text, and then we come to the table and we say, God, I remember you. I remember you, and I remember the race that you have set before me. Let me be faithful in doing that. So let's jump into our text this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's take a look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Okay, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So there's four things I want us to see as we come and stand before you, as I stand before you this morning. There's four things I want you to see. First thing I want you to see is remember, be encouraged by those that have gone before us. Be encouraged by those that have gone before us. You see, he starts off in verse in chapter 12, verses 1, and he says, therefore, and just a couple of weeks ago, Jerry actually taught on that word when he was in the book of Philippians. If you've been in church for a long time, every time you hear the word therefore, you ask, what is it? Therefore, okay. And then it's always referring to what's been already said. And so what we have to do when we take a look at the race of faith is we have to take a look at those that have already run before us. And we get encouragement by those that have finished. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, it is actually called the Hall of Faith. You have the Hall of Fame, if you're not a sports fan. That basically is a place that you go when you do really, really well in your sport of discipline. Okay? You do really well, you get to go to the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Here's what is taking place um, in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews. The writer, who I believe is Paul, basically comes down and rehearses all of these people that have already gone before, and he's encouraging those, the Hebrews and us today, about how they ran their race and how I want you to be encouraged by them to run your race. And so he goes down, he says in, in, um, in verse 4, he says, by faith, Abel. In verse 5, he says, this is chapter 11. In verse 4, he says, by faith, Abel. In verse 5, it says, by faith, Enoch. In verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. It says in verse 11, by faith, Sarah. In verse 17, by faith, Abraham. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. He goes on, but verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. He is telling them very clearly that the way that they ran their race was truly by faith. And the race is based on a faith and a fulfilled promise, and that's his name is Jesus. And here we stand right here is these band of saints, and I need to make sure you understand this. He's not saying that these folks that I just mentioned, all of the Old Testament and even some of the New Testament folks right now, they're not looking down going, come on, finish your race. Come on, finish your race. They're not looking to us and cheering us on. I think it's rewarding to think that those that have died that we know might be down there looking at us, cheering us on, but that's not the case. The case is, is that there are a bunch of people listed in Hebrews chapter 11 that have gone on before us, and we can get encouragement by how they ran their race. We can get encouragement from them. I want to read to you 29 through 38. I don't have this on the screen. If you can look at it in your Bible or on your devices, I want to look at 29 through 38. Here it, it finishes the chapter 11. It says this, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephna, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mountains of lions. 
quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens of caves and earth. In all these, they're commended through faith. So what is our, what is our encouragement? Our encouragement here is to look back at those folks that have finished and finished well. And that is, to, to, that is what Paul is saying. I want to use that or I want that to be used to spur you on to be encouraged as you run. I'm not saying what he's saying is we don't have, I think it's inferred in this text. He's not saying that they're perfect. We know that they're not. He's not saying that they're perfect. But what he is saying is that they finished. They finished their course. They finished the race that was set before him. And what I want you to do is I want you to be encouraged by the ones that have gone on before us. I know the last time I spoke here, I referenced my mother-in-law. And I know her race has been completed. And I draw a lot of encouragement from her right here, right now. Knowing that her race, and they're at the end of her life. Let it be known, Lord, that I am yours. Let it be known, Lord, that I am yours. That's what she said a week before she passed away. And I know that there are people in your life, not in this text, there are people in your life that have run the, the, the race and finished well and are in the glory of God right now, standing in the presence of God to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to be encouraged by, their, by them running and then you run just like they did. And you press forward. Be encouraged by those that would run before us. And so that's what I want us to remember. Number two, don't run alone. Don't run alone. So verse 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, here it is, let us. Let us. He is referencing a group of people, and he uses the phrase, let us. Go down later in verse 2. It also says, um, uh, there at the end, it says, let us also lay aside every weight which sin which clings to so closely and let us run. And so here it is right now. Don't run alone. Some of you are saying, I can't stand running with people. Okay, that's running, but I'm talking about the running of faith. I'm talking about the, the, the race of faith here. I'm talking about the, the life that God has laid before you. The good, the bad, the tough terrain, the easy terrain, the mountains, the valleys, the flat part, the, the steep part. I'm asking you and I'm begging you, don't run alone. You're not designed to handle the terrain on your own. You were created and placed in a body known as the church that has this word type, ecclesia, which is fellowship, biblical fellowship, Rely on each other, encourage each other, and do not run alone. He says, let us, that's plural, let us, he's talking to a group here, let us run. I think when we have to take a look here is, is when he refers to let us, when you look at the whole context of the book of Hebrews, there are people that don't believe, that are not in the race, and there are people who do believe, called believers, 
who are running the race and living for God. And I think the encouragement here is this, is that, okay, if you're not a believer, what we want you to do is we want you to jump in by faith and repentance in God himself. We want you to jump in. It's open to you. We want you to know that God has created you to have a relationship with, with him. He made it possible through Jesus. And there's an invitation to join the race. There's an invitation to join this race of faith. And then he comes to those who are running and saying, hey, listen, don't be discouraged. The terrain is difficult. I want you to be encouraged by those that went before you. I want you also to know, don't run alone. You don't have to. And it's easier when you run with someone in this thing. That's why we pride ourselves on, on, on life groups. We want life groups to be a big part of your life so that you're running with people. Several years ago, um, I did another 5K race. And it was called the Cary Park 5K. Many of you have run in that race before. And um, my wife is, is not a race runner, and I begged her to sign up for this race. And she did. And so, man, we, we signed up for the Cary Park 5K race and probably six or seven years ago. And um, she just said, Matt, I'm training. I'm going to do the best I can. And I told her before the race, I am not going to leave you. I am by your side the entire time. For three weeks, I said that to her. Just, I just want you to run. I don't care if you finish first. I don't care if you finish last. I am by your side. We're at the starting line. She looks at me and she says, I, I am really anxious right now. I said, babe, listen to me. I am with you. I'm going to run with you. I'm going to be by your side. And we started going. And I have to tell you this. Please forgive me, Dana. I could not believe how slow she was running. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my competitive juices just flowed. And I was like, I, I just said, see you later. I mean, we weren't even 100 yards in. We weren't even 100 yards in. Okay. I like finished like 20 minutes before. No, 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 not that long. But I finished way before her, and I was standing at the, the finish line, and I was going, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, go, Dana. Go, Dana. The kids were real little at that time. We're all up there. We're in, the, we're, we're in the, 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 the finish line, and she comes running by, and she's got this scowl on her face. I'm like, I'm in trouble. I'm like, I'm dead. I'm dead. And so here's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Don't run alone. Especially if you tell your wife you're not going to leave her alone and then you leave her. That's bad. That's bad. Don't run alone. You get the point. You get the point. Hebrews is basically looking at us right now saying, look at all these guys. Look at out of them. Look at them. They're not perfect, but they ran. And I think that if we took a look at them, we could see that there are other people around them spurring them on to love and good deeds and running their race and running it well. I beg you to have people in your sphere of influence that are going to push you, challenge you, and ask you difficult questions so that you can run. And when Hebrews chapter 11 is, if Hebrews chapter 11 was, was written after you had passed, maybe you would be in there or mentioned because of the way you ran. Way around. Um, when I run with somebody in this thing called faith, I'm able to look at you 
and see how you navigated the death of a loved one. When I see you running alongside of me, I'm able to see how you navigated the loss of a job. I'm able to see how you ran or stumbled in parenting. And you know what? It encourages me. And it's designed to encourage you. Don't run alone. We need to remember, don't run alone. Number three, don't bring too much. Have you ever gone to a place, have you ever gone to a place and gone, oh my gosh, you know what? We are, um, I've brought way too many things in this. I've brought too many things. I've got too much. The suitcase is way too full. I'm in trouble. I don't, I, I, you, you just overpack and stuff. And so the Bible says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight. First, I want you to understand that the word race in Greek is the word agon, A-G-O-N. That's the word that's used for race in this text. When you translate that word in English, you get the word agony. So the word race or the context that we're talking about is like I said earlier, it's not a Sunday stroll or a little picnic or a little, hey, I'm just going to go out for a run. This is a grueling, demanding race that we are in. And we need to understand that. So that's the type of race that we're in. And because that's the type of race we're in, he says, first, I need you to lay aside the weight that so easily ensnares you and takes care of you. I do this exercise program called F3. We get up early in the morning. We go out to this place, and we exercise and at, from 5.45 to 6.30. A couple of uh, weeks ago, um, I, it was really a couple of months ago, it was my first time running in this race. It was my first time, first time running with these guys. And we get up there. We do, like, CrossFit-type stuff and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I get there, and all of a sudden, he says, go to the pickup truck and grabbed two blocks out of the back. And I'm like, what did he just say? And I went over, and there are two bricks in the back. And he says, you're going to carry these the entire workout. Well, when I'm sitting here, and I'm reading the text this week, and it says, let us lay aside every weight, I can tell you that that day that I was working out, I was very, very slow because of the extra weight that was holding me back. Matter of fact, when I did jumping jacks with my bricks... Okay? I did jumping jacks with my bricks in my hand. One of them broke and landed on my head. That's dangerous too. So the text is saying, lay aside every weight. And then it says this, and it says, and sin. So it says, lay aside the weight, things that we add to the journey. I want you to lay those aside. You don't need that. I don't want you to have it. Then he says, hey, then, uh, then I, want you to, um, I want you to lay aside this sin. There are specific sins that cause the journey to be harder than it should be. And he's telling us and demanding us to set those things aside to deal with them. And if you're running with other people, then you're going to have help to be able to set those aside. That's what he's saying in here. There are sins in our life that weigh us down. And the race is difficult if we don't acknowledge them and set them aside. Number four, the last one, is I want you to remember Jesus. That's it. 
This is what he says. He says in the text this. Let me go back to the last uh, verse 2. Verse 2 says, verse 2 says this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I just want us to remember Jesus. The race of faith is all about Jesus. He says that he's the founder of our faith. We don't have faith unless we have him. We don't have a definition of what faith is unless he defined it. He created it. He sustained it. He defined it. He upholds it. That's why it said he is the founder. And then it says he's the perfecter. Hold on, don't miss this. It says he's the perfecter. Why is he the perfecter? Because everybody in chapter 11 never stood on a cross and said, it is finished. Only Jesus sat on a cross after being mocked and scourged and beaten and just abused, sat on a cross and says, it is finished. That's why we fix our eyes on him. We don't fix our eyes on those saints that we listed, their encouragement. But he said, okay, I want them to encourage you. But what I want you to do is I really want you to be laser focused and fix your eyes on Jesus. What I'm concerned for as one of your pastors is what your eyes are fixed on. Because what your eyes are fixed on will determine the activity that you participate in and don't. And I'm hoping that this morning that this text and this table will help refocus you on fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And he went to the cross. What was his motivation? By the joy that was set before him. And when you run your race, whether it's the terrain is good or the terrain is bad or it's hilly or flat or whatever the case may be, you can look at it and go, I have joy in this because I know at the end of the day, as I run through the valley and as I run through the flatlands, I know that my job is to bring glory to God. And that's what I want to do. And here's Jesus, what he's saying, by the joy that was set before him, that was his ability to go through the cross, despising the shame. Let me ask you a question. In the race of faith, what are you looking at? Are you really looking to Jesus? And does your life model in your decisions with your family, does it model that you really are looking to Jesus? I'm asking you, fix your eyes on him. The table says, do this in remembrance of me. It's all about him. It's not about us.